W. T. L. It's a big, hairy American window machine. If you ain't first, you're last. W. T. L. All right, nice, huh? Got a talk show here, talk show with my mic. I got everything. W. T. L. What he does is work out and performance. Get it to 85% weekend. You're a mute. W. T. L. Brings me to my next point. Don't smoke crack. everybody back to wtl i'm your host and d class and joined by jabron what's up guys we're back <laughs> here we go the parlay pounder yes sir i mean there's so many things going on right now yeah we got a loaded episode here <laughs> this one's awesome i mean we got usfl that's too much fun yeah, it is too much fun football baby hey first three-point conversion in football history <laughs> yeah, yeah history being made it happened <laughs> nba playoffs of course wow uh ufc yeah. Huge, huge UFC two seventy four. I'm, huge I'm, card. I'm grinding on this one. This is this is my <laughs> card. I'm calling all these right. We're gonna. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So you know we're gonna we're, we're gonna get after it there. Yeah. Um. But we also uh, kind of a fun episode here. We get to talk to um, one of the predominant sports figures around Nebraska. Anyhow, yeah. Omaha metro area, Jimmy Allen. Wow. Host of the after hours show on sixteen twenty the zone. Yes, sir. Um. He's gonna give some perspective on the. The NFL draft, crazy player prop bets. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, you, you know, um, uh, Teddy covers of Wager Talk Daily. Yep. I mean, he, he said Monday or, excuse me, Friday morning on his show, he's like, man, the books got beat up. They because did. the only people really betting on that are the Sharps, are smart money. They know it. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're not screwing around. No, they're not. It, it's almost like a game where... <laughs> Everyone's in on this joke, right? Uh, you know, and the only people losing are the books because you have the sharps who got in early. Yep, they know X amount of quarterbacks are going to be taken the first, second round. Yep, so that's where they're going to lay their money down. And then all the fans, uh, I'm a Michigan guy. Yeah, so you're going to bet heavy on Michigan guys getting taken. Yeah, like everybody's in on this joke, and, and it, a lot of times the books mock. Mop it up on yeah. that, but that's not that wasn't the case this no, year. They, re- they really turned the tide on them this year. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like a lot of people called stuff right, and it, it usually mm. doesn't happen like that, but it did this year. So it, it was, and it was a different draft. Uh, not as many quarterbacks taken not early. A of, not a lot of predominant players, you know. Not yeah, a lot yeah. of hype behind a lot of these players, but right. I really think that helped out those sharps with knowing oh, yeah. where the, these guys were going. Because when you get a whole bunch of guys that you know are mm-hmm. predominant, coming from Ohio State and all this kind of stuff, right. you know, Florida and all this kind of right. stuff, uh, you kind of you can place those guys with teams down the list with not a lot of those guys going you don't know who's i i don't know how those sharps did it but they did a great job right. well i mean they they did their homework like yeah, always exactly and, and they measured up like oh wow look at this number of teams that need defensive linemen yeah. and how many defensive linemen are available yep you yep. know so uh that was an, just another place where, uh, where you do your homework and you get paid off and that's what that's how what the happens. Make the, Heck their yeah. Money but okay, well, this first segment, we're we're not talking USFL. We're not talking UFC. Not yet. We're not talking with Jimmy Allen yet. We are getting into NBA basketball. Already a couple, I don't know if you want to call them upsets, but the road teams won. Yeah, it's it's and that's pretty wild when uh yeah. when a, a road team wins game one because mm-hmm. that kind of puts the uh 
Steals home court. Yeah, and puts that, that favorite in, you know, kind of a bind, gets him sweating a little bit. Yeah, it does. Uh, the first game we kind of want to talk about is uh, coming up Saturday night, or Saturday, at 2.30 on uh, ABC, Boston versus Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. you said, Milwaukee took game one yeah. at Boston. Yep. Uh, Statement. Ki- kind of a kind of a lopsided one, too. Uh, Boston was favored by four. They lost 101-89 to in Boston. Yeah. Um, the Greek freak, man. Yeah, triple double. Yeah, uh, triple Boston, double. Boston uh, doesn't really have and there was a, a couple, horse like that. There's a couple of the highlights there where Tatum tried to post him up, and it's like, <laughs> oh no, son. Uh, no, this is the uh, uh-uh. this is the uh-uh. Greek freak. Yeah, um, I'm gonna put you on my hip, put you to the floor, <laughs> yep. dunk the ball. Yep. So what I'm expecting this line kind of do, and obviously we have a game in between this, uh, mm-hmm. the second game of Boston, but. Uh, on Saturday, I'm really expecting this line to about reverse and go about four to five points towards Milwaukee because right, they the will home. be the, they yeah. will be the home team. Yep. And they already uh, stole Saturday. one. They and already they've stole already one. sold one. Yep. So this could get anywhere to six or seven, but I think it's you know with the Probably playoffs, five. where the playoffs are and how closely matched these teams are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be four or five. I I'm going to tell you right now. I like Giannis and Co to uh, you know defend home court and cover. If it's four. If it's four. If it's four. You don't like it more than that? No. I might go five, but I'm not pushing that. I'm not pushing five. Um, and while I look, uh, I might look at this under because the Bucks play really, really good defense. I mean, not just at home, but obviously abroad. They just, right. you know, one of the best teams in the world. They just held them to 89 points. So the over-under in game one was at 215. And if it gets anywhere near that for this game three, mm-hmm. I'm going to take the under. The under, hammer it. Anything, anything yeah. over yeah. two fifteen, I'm going to hammer. Yeah. Anything two twelve or lower, I'm probably going to stay away from. I'll give you a little credit on that. And we've kind of done this as a show. We've hit that over under pretty good. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, we'll we'll give it up every now and then, and and that's just how it goes with sports betting. Yeah. You know, picking winners and losers. Uh, but as far as the over-under goes, we're pretty solid, and I really like where you're going with that, because Milwaukee, that's that's their DNA. Right. And they've won a title to back that up. No, no doubt about it. And that's one of the things where you can tell Giannis is – uh, one of those international players where yeah. he's just a basketball purist, and he does not give up on defense. No, he does not. And that steals points from the other side. Exactly. There's no easy lay-ins, no easy dunks. Everything's defended, especially in the paint. Exactly. Tatum doesn't get his highlight reel, you know, three dunks a game. Exactly. That does not happen. Yeah, or Jalen Brown or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no. Uh, and, yeah, and on the opposite side of the ball, Boston just has the defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. So right, right. That, that's all they have. Yep. Um, and if they're going to win, it has to be on the defensive Exactly. Yep. And, li- and like you said, that even though that uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown and all those guys aren't getting, you know, those highlight things, they, they still don't give up on defense either. Right. They're still a young team right. with – all their superstars going, you know, kind of. Yeah, they're hungry. They they're got, hungry. They got to get it done on they both gotta ends. They got to get it done. They so, got to get. Yep. No, if it if this is two fifteen or higher, guys, you guys need to smack that because that under will hit for sure if it's a uh, uh, two fifteen or above. I like it. Okay, so uh, let's hit that evening game. Then move yeah. on to seven thirty ABC nightcap: Memphis versus Golden State, and wouldn't you know it, Golden State somehow <laughs> stole a game on the road. How, how does that happen? Well, for one thing, <laughs> I think they're the just straight-up better team. I, I, I think if uh, our listeners have been listening for the last couple, three, four weeks, I think I called that Milwaukee and uh, 
uh, Golden State will be meeting in the finals. In the finals, yep. And I Western think that finals. is going to yeah. happen. That's still my Looks pick. Looks like it. These two, these two organizations are still my picks to do that. The whole thing with Golden State is Draymond got thrown out of this game. Right. Yeah. Flagrant two. It, flagrant two. So I think I they, just slapped a guy. What's up? <laughs> I don't even get and, it. And uh, yeah, and I, I didn't did. even mean to hit him in the face. <laughs> I just hit him in the face. <laughs> and I agree. I mean, I I don't like Draymond. <laughs> I I hate him. Actually, I'm a big LeBron guy, so I hate him. I I hope he's thrown out of every game. But I'm just saying he's not going to be. And I really think that uh, Golden State probably would have opened this up to a lot bigger lead than what they did. Right. Uh, they only won by one. So Memphis actually covered in this game because Golden State was favored by two on the road. Right. But it's just they're they're a better team. Everybody can tell they're a better team. They have the championship DNA. Memphis is just that grinder, that gritty team, that young team that has the talent to do it. That's just can they put it together. To your point, that is exactly why the books had Golden State as a two-point favorite on the road. And guess what? They were only a point off. Yeah. And you could even you know if you want to dive into that. Yeah. They weren't even off. They're trying to generate a number to get people to bet on. <laughs> yes. Okay? And guess what? They split it right down the middle. Right down half the, middle. the money was, you know, Memphis covering, the other half was on Golden State covering. And no, so they no nailed it. So you, you know like and not only that, they were within a point. So yeah. everything that could have went right for the books, yeah, in that instance was spot on. For sure. Um yeah, and uh, I just want to kind of talk about the over-under on this. That was set at uh, 227.5, and it, it went over that. It went to 132. So I think in this this third game, I, I bet they're pushing that over-under up to mm-hmm. the 230s. Right. You know, 232, something like that, 232.5. Sure. Yeah. I, I still like Golden State to cover if it's a four-point line, but again, guys— Look at these unders. If it if you if it gets up to two thirty two, two thirty five, something like that, some crazy like that, mm-hmm. that under will hit. You think that, so? That under will hit. Golden State is a different team at home. They do not allow people to get in their rhythms and shoot, right. especially if Draymond is on the floor. That's the that's the if is the, Draymond. Yes. You're gonna mind his P's and Q's because he's already come out and still like, man, I didn't see that. You know, he's already calling out the officials he's in the league. He's already being a donkey about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Donkey is a very uh, politically correct way to put that. That that was a good one there. Uh, but so let's say he doesn't. Okay, so then now now that defense is gone. Yeah. You know, um, Clay Thompson is a good defender. For great, sure, great defender. One of the best. One but the best. I mean, he, but he's. You know, he's not what he was. He's not what he was, and these guards are lethal mm-hmm. and athletic for Memphis. The so, whole thing is, I, I know that you're, I know that people are going to be pretty skittish about this, but I'm yeah. just saying 230 is a lot of points. But, 230 is a lot of points. But they've already done it, like you're saying, but I feel like they had to do that. Golden State had to get into the scoring mode instead of lockdown mode. But it's also where they're comfortable, I feel. I feel like I they like that. Yeah. They'll, they'll trade buckets with you all day, every day. If that's what you want to do, they will do it. And if Draymond is on a kind of a leash, and I think Steve Kerr will try and protect him as much as he can, yeah. like as soon as he sees him getting a little hot, yeah, he's like, all right, let's uh, get, get, <laughs> him out of get, him, get him out of there. Get him back out of there. Back on the leash. Back on no, the no, leash. No, no, we're just giving you a break. We're just giving you a breather, bro. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. The, the the other reason I really think this this is going to hit the under if it's two thirty or you know two thirty two, um, Andy is that they get in such good rhythms at Golden State that 
they're, it's a potential blowout any time that those guys step on the yes, floor. Yes, it is. Yes, so, it is. And with a young team like Memphis and a couple of other these teams that haven't really been there before in the playoffs against mm-hmm. Golden State, mm-hmm. these guys could open it up to 15 to 20 points and the other team give up. I, that doesn't happen. So then go to cruise control, you're saying? Yep, and, and then, then they're not getting it. a lot of points. Yeah, that, I, that I nothing s- screws the line more than blowouts. It, I will admit that. Exactly, and Golden State is one of those teams that mm-hmm. do it more than anybody. They do. This 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 game could literally end up 100 to uh, 73, yeah, something they, like that. They do. They rip your heart out. Like, they'll get up 15 to 3, and, uh, you know— it's uh, just Clay will hit a time. We'll hit yep. a timely three. Exactly. Steph will hit a three and do a shimmy and yep. kind of wink at you, and then you're done. <laughs> and then you you're are done. done. You know. And they play so well on defense, as you know, yeah. on the opposite side, it's so yeah. hard to get buckets on them, yep. especially in the paint where you know people are getting those easy one and twos. Right. Draymond's not going to allow that if he's available. If he's available. All right, so we're going to take a quick break here, yeah. right? We're going to take a little break here. Uh, once again, we've got Nebraska Brewing Company in the house. Going to talk about those guys a little bit. Actually recorded a little segment at the Tap Room yep. with special guest Jimmy Allen. We're going to take a quick break, talk about Jimmy, introduce him, and get you into that. That's all coming on the way here on WTL. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. I'm your host, Andy Klassen, joined by... Gibran. <laughs> the Parlay Pounder. <laughs> All right, now, we already we, we talked about it. We foreshadowed a little bit here. Uh, got a very cool guest in Jimmy Allen. For sure. Host of the After Hours uh, on 1620. We dive into NFL Draft. So much crazy betting. Yeah. Player prop betting. No, like, I couldn't like, get like, What's going on, on that? I couldn't that, that get is a on it. Nope. That is wild, and and we mentioned it how just the books took a beating. Yeah, uh, not very many happy uh, cappers. Yeah, <laughs> not campers, cappers. Cappers <laughs> heading into Friday and Saturday just because yeah. uh, they're just losing. They were losing it so bad. Yeah, the whole uh, thing. Jimmy knew his stuff on it though. It was yeah, great. That was a lot of fun to hear that. So. Yeah, and of course we, you know, we're we're Husker guys, Midwest guys, so uh, oh, yeah. we dove into a little bit of Husker talk there, Bo Planey. So uh, fascinating, really good, really good in uh, interview here. Hope you guys enjoy, and we'll catch you back on the other side. And welcome everybody back to WTL. Where's the line? I'm your host Andy Klassen. Now we got a special guest here, someone a lot of folks, especially around the Omaha metro area, are very aware of. That's Jimmy Allen, host of After Hours on 1620 The Zone. Jimmy, how you doing? Andy, great man. Thank you very much for having me. I hope enough people know about me. I think we're doing things right if uh, uh, if people know who I am. <laughs> Scary moment the other day. My 14 year old niece told me she Googled me, and I was a little worried about what she may have found. But oh wow, apparently it was a lot of pictures of me talking on the radio though. So. Uh, all the bad stuff is apparently hidden, so shout out to Google for that. There we go. There we go. And censorship goes right. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's a couple skeletons maybe we don't want dug up, but uh, no, nah, nothing too bad. No, nah, beyond skeletons or whatever. You've been in the game for quite a while now, um, especially covering the Huskers. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, man. Uh, the, the dream was to uh, to work for the World Herald coming out of high school, and I was able to do that. I was a, a copy editor. Uh, I was trying to remember what exactly I started <laughs> off doing because I wore so many hats down there. But uh, 
Uh, the end goal was to, to be Tom Chattel, and I'm lucky enough to call Tom a friend these days, and I've been able to interview yeah. him a couple times working for Gary. But uh, it took me uh, four years of school and a couple years at the paper to realize I actually hated writing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, and I said this one day on air, and, and people probably say it's easy for me to say now, but the end goal was absolutely to get to 1620 The Zone. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up a huge fan of Michael Severe and, and Kevin yeah. Kugler uh, yeah. and Unsportsman- yep. the original Unsportsmanlike Conduct. And I was I, I remember I used to coach at the uh, for the Omaha Westside Junior Warriors mm-hmm. and every day driving to practice, I would listen to those guys. And I always said, I'm eventually going to be there. And uh, I'm also a huge fan of Freddie Coleman, mm-hmm. uh, who I'm also lucky enough to call a, f- a friend uh, from ESPN. And, awesome. and he does the he's done the overnight show for so long on their radio broadcast. And right. Got a little combination of both. I'm right on after unsportsmanlike conduct, and I'm a sort of an overnight show. So uh, <laughs> it's, I've been lucky enough to be uh, somewhat close to what I wanted to do. Well, and you, you bring up Michael Severe and Kevin Kugler. I mean, you're kind of talking about two of the best right there. And uh, I think everybody that listens to them, they're they're fans. I, I'm a, I, this might be a biased opinion, but I think Kevin Kugler is the most talented person mm-hmm. in the broadcast journalism world right now. And and I've obviously done a couple of shows with Michael, and that's I'm not taking anything away from Michael because I his his <laughs> body at work speaks for himself but uh i i totally agree with you on on both for both of those guys and we've got a great group of guys now i mean oh, yeah. uh, john, john bishop yeah. is amazing at what he does and i know a lot of people uh specifically on the red sea scrolls i don't know why they don't like josh <laughs> peterson uh but I, I i love josh and he's a he's a fantastic human being on top of being a a, a good broadcaster you got to have the antagonizer you know, someone that kind of stirs the pot. And I think that's where Josh kind of, I don't and know he if he plays means. his role. Well, <laughs> you know what? I don't think, I don't think he did originally. And uh-huh. people have to remember how young Josh was when he, when he started, he, you know, he started as a producer and worked, yeah. and worked most in the keyword there being worked his way mm-hmm. into that role on that show. Uh, but yeah, he, and, and he know he knows what strings he's pulling. He's, oh yeah. He's oh, very yeah. good at his job. And then obviously Connor Happer just took over for that midday shift. And I think he's doing uh, an absolutely dude. fantastic job. And I guess, I guess I could say that Gary and Damon are okay, but <laughs> that, <laughs> there we go. that might be it underselling is. it by it a is. mile. They're obviously uh, they've been doing it together for such a long time, and no, so we're we're pretty excited having you on our our podcast WTO. Where's the line? And so we are we're always talking about sports betting lines, and we know you're a huge NFL fan. It helps that I'm a fan. degenerate gambler as well. <laughs> and there we see perfect. You are perfect for the show. And something that's kind of fascinating to Jabron and I um, is how this everything the NFL touches, it seems like turns to gold. Gold, yes. And it's printing just, money. It's just amazing that the NBA had a couple of elimination games on Thursday night, and the mm-hmm. ratings were still dominated by NFL draft coverage. Yeah. And what preceded that was all this betting tom, that, Br- tom brady took over march madness unbe- think about that yeah, i mean the, a yeah. guy coming out of retirement granted he's the greatest quarterback of all time but coming out of retirement stole the mm-hmm. headlines from yeah. the largest betting event uh in america what he, he sent out like a 17 word tweet and that was that was all there yeah. was in the sports cycle for like 24 48 hours <laughs> was he's back it, it's just america loves football and i, I know yeah. the numbers have come out for the super bowl versus the world cup or even wrestlemania to that degree but mm-hmm. the most popular country in the world's most popular sport just dominates the headlines. And I I always, and I know we're comparing kind of apples to oranges here, but when, when you watch the last dance with Michael Jordan and Uh they went to Paris and all that, Michael Jordan was on the side of buildings in a country that he'd never even been to. It it just kind of tells you how much the American pop culture dominates the, the, the headlines across the, across the world. And, the best quarterback of all time come back for one more rodeo definitely do that for you and and 
to your point, Tom Brady dominates overseas markets as well. Yeah, like absolutely. His, the TB12 his wife stuff, doesn't hurt. Uh, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> She's got a little bit of a brand name. You know, she knows, yeah. she makes more money than he does. Yeah. That's incredible to me. Like a lot more money. Yeah, and he has 300-pound grown men falling on him for a living. So yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> hats, off to you, hats off to you, Giselle. So I believe this kind of falls into it with NFL being so popular, right? Um, but what's taken off is this player prop betting uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL draft. And you can, re- depending on what book you're in or what you follow, you can get as creative as you want to get or Absolutely. as wild parlays. Um, and we might need to change the the frame, the frame of uh, wording steal of the draft. Yeah, there you because, go. Because of where, where somebody might make a couple <laughs> bucks uh, on, on whoever they think is going where. Well, there's something that, you know, Jabron and I, we're a relatively new show. Sure. So, uh, and we come out once a week with a, with a new episode. So we just try and really go after things that are going to be drawing the most attention. You left out a key note there. We're a new show and we're killing it. Come it, on, man. You well, we put, are killing You got to put yourself over. There you go. It's your show. Hey, man. Yeah. If you're not going to promote yourself, no one else is. There you go. Um, but we didn't really touch much on player props in the NFL draft. And I mean, that was something that would just, the more we watched it, the more we saw it develop. It just got bigger and bigger and got to this fever pitch. And then, okay, then Thursday and Friday happens. And, okay, what's the fallout? Right. And, you know, some of the shows that we follow, like like Wager Talk today, uh, yeah. Teddy, Teddy Covers uh, talked about how on Friday morning, that was about the worst day the books had because all the sharp money. When I'm uh, Malik Willis, right? Yeah, they they, yeah, they, they killed it. All yeah. those player brought props so killed it. I, th- there was the over-under set of seven quarterbacks taken. Mm-hmm. And I took the over because I thought it would be nine. And it got to eight. And the funny thing about that is people talk about how the running back is a dying position in the NFL. (laughs) There were eight quarterbacks taken in the total draft. There were six running backs taken or four taken in the sixth round alone. There you go. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, it's just one of those things that there's so much talk about this being a draft that'll go unappreciated because of the lack of quarterback development. Mm -hmm. When you look at the defensive and offensive line guys that were taken, I think Tyler Lindemann, the offensive, the center from Iowa Mm -hmm. is going to be a hall of fame level center. I think he's that good. And uh, may, and we just talked about the steal of draft and who I thought was probably who I thought should have been the number one overall pick. And I'll talk about why I think he wasn't, but was Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia for my money was the best player in college football year. And ESPN kind of did a thing where they were talking about maybe why he fell to 13 to Philadelphia. And they showed some highlights or lowlights, I guess we we should call (laughs) of him quote unquote, taking plays off. But if you look at what Kirby smarts defense does, the plays that they were showing, and he has, and he's got limited snap reps and things Uh like that. And I think that changes at the next level, but they were showing footage of him in cover three, just eating up a nose or eating up the center as the nose tackle. And they marked that as like a negative. And you could tell it was by design. Anybody right. that knew what they were looking at right. knew that was by design to let the linebackers run free. Now, was that the best thing for Georgia to do this season? Maybe not. But I, I think I, I think well, Jordan Davis at 13 is a, a, tra- a travesty. Uh, Georgia had an all right season, though. They so. did okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's why Kirby Smart makes millions of dollars in Athens, Georgia. And I'm sitting here talking on this podcast. That, that's a fascinating point, though. You, you made talking about the running backs mm-hmm. kind of being a dying position. No, it's not. And. Uh, and never will be, by the way. No. Yeah. And, you know, as a, if I was a GM, put your GM hat on. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't go wrong in those later rounds, you know, when you get third, fourth on. 
taking a running back or a linebacker because they're so versatile and you can at least use them on special teams. I don't mean to steal your show from me, but can I ask you a quick question? Go for it. Do you think whoever evaluates talent for the Jacksonville Jaguars actually watches football on Saturdays? Because I don't think there's any possibility. Wow. Now, that's that's a great question. Um, maybe not American football. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out to Tony Khan. He's, uh, he's big into soccer and owns AEW wrestling, too. But I, I didn't understand... <clears throat> There's so the many first three, The yeah. first three picks of the draft were just mind-blowing to me because, I mean, we just talked about load management with Jordan Davis and that being the reason he fell all the way down to 13, even mm-hmm. though he was probably the best overall prospect in this draft. But Trayvon Walker had the same problems, and it was outside. You know what I mean? And those guys yeah. are, are more likely to be a miss than inside guys. And then you talk about Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson going number two to, to Detroit, and there might have been some internal pressure there to take the Michigan sure, kid sure. that's at the top of the Sure, I think there board. was. How could there not be, right? Because, mm-hmm. listen, jersey, sell, jersey sells matter also. Yes, and and I does. guarantee you he sells a ton. But when you watch the semifinal game between Georgia and, listen, they're the national champions and there's some talent there. But Aiden Hutchinson got stonewalled mm-hmm. by a true freshman tight end, and I think Brock Bowers is going to be special. But yeah, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft should be stonewalled by anybody, let alone a true freshman tight end. And and I get that, and that's, I think part of that is you don't want to just take one game and blow it out of proportion. Agreed. You, you know, I think there's a little bit of that. See, but you can't do that if it's bad. But if it's good, like the national championship right, game, right. you end up being the number one overall pick because you yeah. can't you can't convince me that Trayvon Walker had well any game this season that would have other other than the game against Alabama, the second one that put him at the top of that list. Yeah, and, and I I like taking big bodies. I think I would just be so scared not to take the best offensive or defensive lineman, you know, in the first round. And it's like, cra- I, I think I'd be so boring as a GM. And it's crazy because I think if we're talking the top two, if you're talking the number one defensive lineman, no matter what position, or the top mm-hmm. offensive lineman, no matter what position, both of those guys, in my opinion, fell out of the top 12. Because, I, like I said, I think Jordan Davis was the best overall player yeah. on the defensive line. And then Tyler Lindebaum, as, and he's a center, though. And, unfortunately, you can be the best offensive line in the country, but if you're only a center, you're only a center. Yeah, and I and a uh, shout-out to our in-state boy, uh, Cam Jurgens being yeah. the second center taken Absolutely. in the draft. I think he's going to do well as well. I mean, the fan, the Husker fan in me is like, man, couldn't you stay one more year? We, you know, but you got to understand, he's come over a couple of devastating injuries and a like position might, change, never playing time. center again before yep. he got to Nebraska, yep. coming in as a tight end. And <clears throat> Scott Frost has had enough punchlines uh, that the it, right. quotes that turned into jokes in his in his four years here. But him talking about Cam Jurgens maybe being the next great center at Nebraska came to fruition. Specifically, yeah. if you look at the big games that they played in, there was quite a bit of them. Yeah. Think he might have been the best player on both sides of the ball. Think how bad he was early on. He had at least one high snap a game that yeah. ended up being a, just a devastating. Snapping the football was a punchline in the state for oh two years. God, it was just brutal. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it it showed that the coaching staff had a vision. They worked with mm-hmm. this guy out of Beatrice. Uh, we actually televised that game where he really tore up his ACL. Uh, yeah, it was horrible. High school. Yeah. Uh, you just felt terrible for the guy, but he it came out stronger and better on the other end. You know, that's some perseverance there. Uh, blue collar mentality. Uh, but that, once again, I think that's a good pick if you're a GM, taking those strong, big athletic dudes up front. Cause I, I feel like there's too many misses at receiver, running back, quarterback. Well, <laughs> you and, know, and flip side of that, I, I said I hated the top three picks because Derek Stingley Jr., the corner, the corner out of LSU, who a lot of people thought was the number one overall player two years ago. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
I, I with injuries and everything else that's happened in his career, I really thought Sauce Gardner, the corner from Cincinnati, was the best corner in this draft. Didn't allow a touchdown in three seasons out there in Cincinnati. And granted, not, not playing the talent. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. if you're not even covering anybody, <laughs> not allowing a touchdown in three years, is the win getting a touchdown right. it could happen. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and the fact that I, I he had the numbers and was the best player on the number three team in the country. I think was the best corner. And he's one of those guys that's had a lot of chips on his shoulder and overcome a lot. And him not being the number one overall corner taken, I think is only going to work out better for the Jets. Probably, probably. Now, now uh, talking about cornerbacks and, and, and those positions, this is where I think betting on the draft could work for you mm-hmm. as far as like player props. But you got to take a big picture and do a lot of homework. Sure. Look at a number of teams. Let's say there's five teams that are thin at defensive back. And in the offseason, they lost their top safety. So you know there's a finite number of teams mm-hmm. that are going to be targeting defensive backs. Or even a situation like Kansas City where Tyron Matthew hasn't signed a contract yet. You don't know if he's coming back to Kansas City or going elsewhere or something like exactly. that. Sure. Exactly. So you know Kansas City might be looking for a defensive back. So let's say you get seven teams that are looking for defensive backs. You have six teams that have multiple picks in the first round. Odds are they're probably going to use one of those picks to get a defensive back sure okay so if the over under is at four and a half but this is where vegas, this is where vegas <laughs> makes their money and they go quarterback on you and then <laughs> oh i know i know it i know it but i mean that's for for me that's about as safe as you can get if you want to bet on the draft but you know take us back to the the bet you made yeah quarterbacks right so the over the over under was seven uh total taken total which, which in any other season i think would have been laughable mm-hmm. um but like you pointed out, I think a lot of people, some people thought Malik Willis was going to go in the first round. I didn't understand it. Not that, not to take anything away from him, but the that's off- okay, we can. The, but the <laughs> offense in which he plays in, I think, allows it, it's it's kind of back to the Timmy Changs and the Graham Harrells of the world that kind of yeah. got a little bit too much credit for right. the numbers they put up because they played PlayStation essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. I I thought Kenny Pickett was a first round talent. Mm-hmm. I, hand size aside, I don't. I mean, nobody not yeah. nobody knocked Drew Brees for it, and it worked out well for the Saints. Ask New Orleans fans yeah, how they okay. feel about it. Uh, I hated the Desmond Redder pick. I <laughs> I just I think he got way too much credit for th- how good that defense was because if you look at how many, I, I, and I know Mel well, Kuyper broke this down, but uncontested throws that he that he had that didn't even get right. he didn't get touched, the ball didn't get touched, and just fell down to nobody with an open wide receiver is staggering uh, for somebody that made yeah, it to, to, to a semifinal in the college football playoff. But Atlanta needed a quarterback, and I think we're having a completely different conversation about the one-two pick in this draft if Matt Corral sets out the uh, the bowl game and doesn't get injured. Mm-hmm. And I think because I think he was maybe the best overall quarterback from, from a drop-back standpoint. Just drop back, deliver yeah. the ball from the pocket. Uh, I, I do agree with you on Kenny Pickett, and I was kind of shocked that he lasted till the 20th overall just because the, the trend in the NFL is uh, you get like this pass if you want to reach for a quarterback because you got to get a trigger, man. You got to get sure. that quarterback. So, I was, And how cool is it that he gets to go to Pittsburgh? Yeah, he that stays was cool. in P- Pittsburgh. That's awesome. Yep, yep. Uh, and he's going to compete. Like uh, I know they got Trubisky. I'm, I'm a Chicago will- Bears fan. So. I'm not willing to say he's not going to start. I know. Uh, you, I know think, you know what I mean? It's They drafted him to be the starter, right? Uh, you First don't take, round pick. You don't take the number 20 overall pick quarterback if you're yeah. not planning on him seeing some time, let alone starting the season. Yep, and, and I've heard that speculation too where maybe they just start slow with like a package mm-hmm. and bring him in. But I, I kind of like Scott Frost's analogy on that or what he likes to say is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Zero, yeah. You know, absolutely. so I, I think you either go with the kid or you let Trubisky start four or five games and see how it goes. 
and just to stick on quarterbacks for a second, and we were talking a little bit about Iowa State before we started rolling. There was a lot of people that thought Brock Purdy at one point was going to be a first round guy. Right, he falls yeah. all the way to the last pick in the draft to, to my San Francisco 49ers. But <laughs> um, there's like, it, it's when you talk about Sam Howell, Brock Purdy, uh, Matt Corral, those guys that were before the season started, mm-hmm. people were talking about Heisman finalists oh, yeah. and, and yeah. possible number one overall picks. Yep. But to fall all the way out of it, um, not not a huge Sam Howell guy. I mean, good luck to Washington taking him in the fifth. But uh, <laughs> I think I think that? the Commanders. It, yeah, no. <laughs> if, if if Matt Corral can come back healthy, I think he's an NFL guy. I think I think Kenny Pickett's an NFL guy. And who knows what's going to happen with Trey Lance and obviously Jimmy Garoppolo. Surprisingly, somehow is still in San Francisco. But I think Brock Purdy might be just right there in the mix a couple yeah. years down the road. Yeah, big arm guy, yeah. right? Uh, he's got a lot of starts under his belt. He's kind of what you're looking for. Uh, and to your point, it kind of speaks to how fickle it really can be where uh, Purdy was looking like a Heisman, you know, there was yeah. good money on him. Brocktober like, was a thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then it, it all just goes away after a bad game and a couple of losses. Um, and then you're, you're reduced to Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. And, and that's my big thing with a lot of these guys leaving a year early or what mm-hmm. you might think is a year early. In that first Sell round, your stock high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 difference, especially in the NBA with those lotto picks, uh, the difference between a first round guy and a second round, third round guy is such a huge difference in what the league can do to kind of dictate the type of money you can make, especially over your first three to five years. Yeah, you and, know, that's what that's where I'm looking at. It. And when we're talking about loves and hates of the draft and it, just Brian Asamoah, the inside linebacker from Oklahoma. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we haven't talked a lot of non-skill position guys, but I think he went to Minnesota in the third round with the number 66 overall pick. I think that's a guy that you can build your defense around long-term. And not just gotta, plug and play, not just it, plug and play. And just you got to right steal out of him in, yeah. the, in the third round. And yeah. he, w- the weird part about that happening is that usually happens because of how how quarterback heavy the first round ends up going? Yeah. And this is the first time in recent memory that I can remember that a quarterback came off the board. And the next there wasn't one within the next two or three picks. So yeah, you see that trend happen too. Like as soon yeah. as that first guy goes, man, it's wild. Now it happened every, with now, cor- it happened with corners, <laughs> cornerbacks <laughs> hey, in, in the first round this year. That's my defensive back over under right there. And I I, I kind of want as a guy that that grew up loving the recruiting aspect and, mm-hmm. and, and worked for a couple of recruiting sites. I've seen the trend go from the number one overall player in the country to be the Southern California quarterback to a defensive lineman. And just talking about whether it be rivals or, or, yeah, or, yeah. or, or whoever 24 uh, sevens national rankings is there seems, seems to be more of an understanding that games are won in the trenches nowadays. Yes. And we're, I think we're starting to see that, motion over to the NFL draft. Yeah. Well, and look what, look what Clemson did. There was a time where, what was at the Gator bowl where it was Bo Planey versus Dabo Sweeney, a couple of young coaches squaring off. Uh, and I had a free ticket to that game and I didn't go. Oh man. Uh, I, I, I thought they were going to get blown out. And I was wrong. Uh, yeah. You were big time wrong on that. Yeah. I mean, that was, I, I thought, mean, I the, thought Quentin the, Castile was going to be something special <laughs> after that. And I can't believe that it didn't work out for him. But I mean, obviously there was other things at play there. But uh, just think of how the, the trajectory of those two guys, those two coaches went after that game. But, um, my point was after the point I was trying to get to was after that game, Dabo Sweeney doubled down on defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing but big fella. Doesn't hurt he's big in fella. South Carolina, though, either. That does help. <laughs> that does help. But I to get them over the top, to get out of the, the Gator Bowl realm yeah. and into the BCS and into the Final Four or whatever it's called now, the play, playoff 
the playoffs, semi national semifinal. There we go, yeah. and it rotates the name. With yeah, the Bulls. it'll change. It'll change tomorrow. <laughs> Somebody's gonna listen to this in six years and be like, "What's this idiot talking what, what, about? What is that? <laughs> yeah, the fourteen playoff? That doesn't make any sense." Yeah, we know. But I mean, that's that's an interesting point you just made there because if you look at both of those guys and look at what they did on the defensive line going forward and, and the talent that they had that that position specifically mm-hmm. went polar opposites as yes. well, and. It's still amazing to me this to this day that they weren't able, they being the coach Pliny and his staff, weren't able to walk into a living room with a picture, a, a ten by a nine by ten of Indomitian Sue, and go, "We can yeah. make you this," yeah. and didn't have guys chomping at the bit to get to Lincoln. He was a and high, even Jared Crick. He he was a yeah, and Jared Crick and Stein uh, Stein was there. He had yeah. a decent season. Um, uh, but that should have been I'm a still, huge. I'm re- still mad they moved him to that side of the ball, so I don't want to ah. talk. About it. I, mean, I don't. I don't understand how you take the number seven overall player in the country, yeah. who's rated that as that as an offensive lineman, yeah. and move him. And, and it might have been Baker's decision. I don't know, but right. I I, I just, was talking about Ty. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but he played alongside, and that's really where he blossomed, where pressure was taken off of him because everything was on Sue. Yeah. Uh, but that should have been a recruiting tool. I mean, he was a Heisman finalist. And I still contend to if he would have blocked that field goal against Texas in the Big Twelve Championship, he would have won the Heisman. Well, they would have. There would have been Nebraskans outside of New York City Music Hall to burn it down. Yeah, <laughs> if, if he wouldn't have. But no, I, I absolutely agree with that too. I mean, the guy single handedly won that game. Yeah, it is mind boggling how there wasn't just a ton of momentum. There was momentum, but how didn't Nebraska capitalize on it and get those defensive linemen? I mean, we sent a guy, Bo Planey and his staff took mm-hmm. a his sophomore year. What do you have like? 40 tackles or something like yeah, that. And, and not, a, not a stellar I year. I think he only played in six games. Yeah. yeah. And then it just went to straight up superstar status and Heisman finalist his senior year to, uh, you know, a top five pick in the NFL. It was just amazing what that coaching staff was able to do with that individual. And you thought. Well, and on top of that, the Prince of Mucamara. Yeah. The John Gomes and just some of the, oh, the, talent, the talent, Will Compton. Yep. Guys that they put into the league that. Had long, long-lasting careers. Will I, Compton was a captain for yeah. a number of years on for, two different teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, his podcast is fantastic. <laughs> Bussing, uh, bus, with the boys is, <laughs> is great, but um, it's just one of those things that, and and I hate to put it this way, but it, it's just kind of it, it, as soon as the Callahan level recruits left yeah. that program, yeah. you you kind of seen a dip and. Yep. Somebody once said that every coach needs to have every tool in their toolbox, and mm-hmm. it, that's true. But if you have them all there and you only use the hammer, mm-hmm. you tend to see a dip in recruiting. And, right. and I can't help but wonder if Bo Pelini's personality, or even and I'll I'll one up on that, who he was p- portrayed to be on on TV, probably put a right. damper on on a couple yeah. of recruits because yeah perception's reality it is and when you're known as the guy that screams at referees and pounds on your quarterback's chest yeah i don't think there's gonna be guys that that line up at the door waiting to play for you swinging and i could be wrong i'm not an 18 year old kid but swinging your hat and almost hitting a referee like i mean it got it just got to be and then i personally got frustrated with the whole cat thing because our our coach was reduced to a cat meme like that that rubbed me the wrong way and then he played up to it which and there could have been pressure from the locker room, and it might sure. have been a thing w- with him and his players. But no, I, I I know a lot of people that feel that same way. Yeah, uh, no, was, you know what what could have been, but you're exactly the, right. There's you somebody had... sitting in a room right now saying, "Well, I'd ra- I'll take the cat memes and go nine and three these days." But uh, you know, hey, and you may be right. Yeah, you may hey, be right. Hey, me too. I'm not saying that. I, yeah. I would like nine wins again. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you made a great point there. 
the recruiting that Bill Callahan brought, and he had like a number five team in the nation, like yep. year two, yeah. right? Yeah, but Harrison Beck was a part of that. And, well, uh, you know, I mean, it was still a top five ranking, which was something Nebraska hadn't even sniffed, you right. know, for years and years and years. Um, and then, but he couldn't get the most out of his players, and Bo could. Mm-hmm. So there's there's your use all your tools. So you said something something interesting there because. Think about where this program was when Bill. Because and listen, I'm I'm not here to be a Bill Callahan apologist. I'm just saying how I saw it. Uh-huh. Look at what this program was when he took it over. Who he had to work for, and when you think about it, the reason to the bare bones of it, the reason Bill Callahan got fired is because he didn't want to fire his best friend, and he told a kid if he came here from Arizona State, he was going to get the starting job. Mm-hmm. Just think about this. Yep. If Bo Pelini's still calling that defense with Bill Callahan's here with that talent that's able to come in, you already saw what it looked like. Yeah. And on top of that, you don't have the sh- the you don't have the years with Zach Lee, uh, and, and um, Kevin Cosgrove isn't here. Mm-hmm. You probably have Joe. Right. Ga- you have you probably have Joe Gans as your <laughs> oh, starter. You probably have Joe Gans as your starter day one. Yep. And the things that could have been different, right? And, uh, and and I don't think there's anybody in the world that will, will argue that Bill Callahan's a bad football coach. He's been in the NFL for a number of years for a reason. He was able to win in Nebraska. As soon as he was able to get his guy in here, when Zach Taylor came in here, yeah, and what they were able to do, and even look at the tail end of 2007 when Joe Gans took over, you couldn't argue with scoring 42 points per game. Yeah, the it, rub was you're giving up 45, 46 points a game. Yeah, you have to you have to <laughs> score more than the other team to win. I know, I, maybe, maybe maybe that's something that was lost on, lost on Bill, old Billy C. But uh, <laughs> Billy I, C. I forgot uh, about that. I just I, I just really I mean I I think there were things that could have been put in place that he could have been successful long-term here. And what yeah. does that mean? Does it, I mean, he may, yeah. he may not have been here after that and maybe he's back in the NFL with another head coaching job and it is what it is, but no, I, I got it. I got a kick out. I mean, we're a couple of Husker guys. We kind of went down a little Husker road there. You yeah. Know, we're talking. Recruiting. We're supposed to talk the draft. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all right though. That's an organic. That's a good, good conversation there. Yeah. You know, most of our listeners are from around the area and we always have a heavy uh, Midwestern, theme to it anyway you know you got to cover the vikings the broncos and the chiefs of course mm-hmm. uh was there one team that you feel really did well in this draft and- i i love what the jets were able to do um gang green huh when you when you have needs and you address them and i think you get steals in the first three rounds mm-hmm. I, <laughs> when, you, when you look at garrett wilson uh the, the the wide receiver from ohio state uh maybe one of the fastest human beings to ever put on a pair of shoes. Uh, and then Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State. And then maybe even the steal of the third round with Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle out of Louisiana. I'm never going to argue uh, these teams like I've and I'm, hammered and on. I, and as a 49ers fan, I'm a big Robert Sala guy too, so I'm kind of hoping it works out for him out there, there in go. New York. But. Yep, that's good. Uh, how about your 49ers? How'd they do? I mean, just you guys, there were you, you 49er fans. You can't get away from you guys. My younger brother is a 49er fan, always was. You guys are everywhere. Yeah, it's when your team's great, it's easy <laughs> to be a fan of them. But no, it's it, uh, I don't know what this team is. And, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. And mm-hmm. I, I, I would have bet you, we're talking about betting, I would have bet you a million dollars. Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield would have new residents and zip codes yeah. after this draft. And yep. the fact that they're both there is confusing to me. Um, I hated the Trey Lance pick. I, I, I you cannot, mm. I can, I completely 1000% think that the pick was going to be Mac Jones and the backlash from the fan base, which by the way, I hope you're still feeling that way. San Francisco fans. Um, <laughs> they decided to go. Kyle Shanahan didn't even go to Trey Lance's pro day. Mm-hmm. There's no way that pick was Trey Lance. And there was so much outrage 
because people thought that the wide receivers that Mac Jones made him who he was. Well, let's check with Bill Belichick in New England. They'll tell you that's not the case. Right. Um, but I think they're paying for that decision now. I don't think they know who they – and they're going to be fine because Kyle Shanahan is a genius, mm-hmm. and I firmly believe yeah, that. They're going to win games. They're going to be competitive in the West. But they're going to pay for that draft pick for years to come. And, and that's – we talk about the upside of the draft and guys – being the future of, of of their franchise, but that's the the caveat to that is okay. What about if you miss on a guy? Yeah. And more importantly, what if you sell off the next two years to miss on that guy? Um, and as a, as a Bears fan, yeah, you can relate yeah. to that oh with God, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. And I'm and I I just uh, when and I know you asked me about this year, but with Trey Lance plays into this year, and when you go back and look at Trey Lance's highlight films, and he's under throwing wide open wide receivers mm-hmm. at the Division Two level, yeah. It's going to be hard, and he might be able to figure it out. I think Kyle Shanahan's a guy that can get him there. I just don't think he's ready, and mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo still being in San Francisco. He's obviously not. He's obviously not Clearly, ready. yeah. Because otherwise they would have pulled that trigger. They would have made that move. If I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. If Jimmy Garoppolo starts week one for San Francisco, and I hope he does, mm-hmm. Trey Lance will not be in San Francisco in two years. they got to unload him. they got to get away from that. Which, and I don't know who, who's going to want him. I mean, yeah. that, that's an indictment right there of who he yeah. is as a player. Yeah. And if you put him out there, you're going to expose him. And the trade value just goes down. So, Well, well okay, so you, you called me out. You exposed me as a Bears fan, which yeah. everyone knew that anyway. Uh, let's go back to that draft where uh, Mitchell Trubisky, right? And he was, the, he was the talk of the town. Everyone was, oh, this guy from North Carolina winning all these games, bringing the Tar Heels up out of nowhere. Um, I, didn't, I didn't like it, okay? Well, you do but, know why they drafted him, though, right? Have you have you heard the story? Why, why the Bears thought that he was worth that pick? Because he was a quarterback. I mean, why he he kept his car from his he still drove his oh, car yeah. that he had as a senior, yep. and they thought that was redeemable quality. Never mind the fact that he that his his touchdown yeah, interception yeah. ratio. Yeah, the fact that he's only started what like eleven games or something. Same with Trey Lance. I mean, he didn't, uh, he played two games his, his second season up there in, in right? North Dakota. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But with, okay, so Trubisky. Um, Chicago actually moved up one spot. I think it was with San Francisco, yes, right? Correct. Yep. So you guys got you, you made some equity there, dropped a spot, still got your guy, yep. and then got a second round and some more uh, out of Chicago. And, and somehow Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were still sitting on the bench. Oh my god! <laughs> but Man, it, how, how horrible would our franchises be with either one of those oh guys my being god. in this it, well, if Deshaun Watson can stay out of jail, that's and here real there. quick. Even then, uh, at that time, um, Andy Reid was catching flack for moving up eight spots to get Mahomes. Mahomes. So you don't know. Yeah. You really don't know. So this is where right. I'm a Chicago apologist, and I even called sixteen twenty and let the guys have it. Four zero two nine five one sixteen twenty. Yeah, uh, and, and because well, they're bashing the Bears, and you know you have a Bears fan as a host. And I'm like, hey, you guys always talk about if you're gonna reach. You're mm-hmm. going to reach on a quarterback, and you need to have a quarterback that's a dr- quarterback-driven league. So if the Bears and their front office think that Trubisky's the guy, right? I agree. Their with that. jobs are on the line. They have more invested in that than than you or I. And again, back to what I said earlier, though, if you miss, <laughs> your job is still on line, as we've seen right. as as, oh, yeah. as everybody that's that's left Chicago from a GM and a, and a oh, coach. Everybody standpoint. got fired from you know yeah. that, that was part of that, and is probably not there anymore. because the, specifically because they missed yeah. on their quarterback and big we, time. And we've seen situations like guys with like Ryan Tannehill, where it's it's a matter of their skill set being paired up with the right quarter or with the right coach, right quarterback coach combination. Yep. Maybe we're talking about Patrick Mahomes being a complete dud in the NFL if he doesn't have Andy Reid, and I don't think that's the case because I think he's too talented for that. No, but, but I mean, that's a fair statement. Yeah, you know. he didn't set the world on fire in Lubbock. No, he, he just didn't. And 
there's probably a reason for that. It's probably not him, as you've seen, because when you unlock his potential, mm-hmm. and listen, Andy Reid touches Big anybody, arm. they yeah, they, they turn into a, a pro bowler. But it's it's going to be really interesting to see how the dynamic around Patrick Mahomes' career changes once Andy Reid decides to hang it up. Listen, Tyreek Hill's already gone. Yep. He's had Travis Kelsey his entire career. He's had, he, he's had Tyreek Hill up until this point. How much different do we start looking at Patrick Mahomes when he doesn't have those resources around him? Because it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Sure, it, it is. Oh, he signed that contract, and that's what that's always right. happens. Yeah. You know, when you Unless, sign those monster contracts. And hopefully I'll knock on wood for him. He doesn't have a, a career-ending injury or something like that. But I I, I tend to think that Mahomes will be fine cause, just because of his talent. I, I and do, he's I been there. Too. But and, he set the league on fire so quickly, and rightfully so. I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not taking anything away from well, But people were starting to call him the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Yeah, I hate that stuff. And that's you a know? lot. Yeah, But is. when you get off to that quick of a start and you mm-hmm. are successful, listen, he's been to four FC championship games. Yeah. And there's something. He only has one Super Bowl, Chiefs fans. But <laughs> Only uh, one. Only yeah. one. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of franchises out there would kill for that. But, I mean, if – We'll see what it looks like with Tyreek in Miami this year. And, yeah, yeah. And obviously, Travis Kelsey only has a couple more seasons left in him, you think. I so mean, the guy looks ageless. But Are, are you kind of taking a, if you start at the top, there's only one way to go type of perspective? No, or? and I, I'm not even saying he's going to fail. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how much we, because he's the face of the NFL right now, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. on every high V commercial. He's, he's everywhere. <laughs> he's he's yeah. ketchup on a steak. He's a horrible person. Anyway, um, <laughs> Right now, I think if you pulled 32 out of 32 NFL GMs and said if we're scrapping the league and we're starting from scratch and you have the first overall pick, who are you taking? I think every one of them would take Patrick Mahomes. I really yeah. do. Yeah. But how much different is that conversation with if he plays in New York or if he plays in Houston? Because And, and that's why, I, despite his off-the-field issues, why I'm such a big fan of Deshaun Watson because – the guy got sacked more than anybody else in the league and led the league in yeah. passing. Yep. So, it, it, you know, it, it's like, oh, God, what could he have been right? if they would have traded up to get him in Kansas City? You know what yeah. I mean? And oh, yeah. It's just I, I, I wait to pass judgment on saying this guy's this and this guy's that until his surroundings change. No, And, I think and that's that- even for the bad because I think Zach Wilson's going to end up being very good, too. Yeah. And again, not because I'm a Robert Sala guy, but I, I think if you can throw in Utah, you can throw in New York and mm-hmm. in, in that environment. And when you got you've seen Buffalo draft EJ Manuel or John David Booty go into uh, the Vikings, that never makes sense to me because you don't have a quarterback that is thrown in cold weather. Mm-hmm. Bring him into doing that forty months out of the year and knowing there's been right. some warm weather quarterbacks that have been successful, but more often than not, it seems to be a fail. Yeah, and, and you you made a couple of great points there, and I really like the one where just think of what happens if like mm-hmm. what if he what if Patrick Mahomes goes to Cleveland, right? I mean that that's just our Detroit for the longest time. Yeah, y- you know, I th- there's some good luck, some, Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, there's been some really good quarterbacks that get mm-hmm. drafted. I mean, look what Matthew Stafford early. was able to do when he finally got a coach that in a team that could win. And and you think God, I hate saying that by the way because I hate the Rams, but but yeah, you gotta give them, give them their due. They yeah. put all their chips in the middle, uh, and boy, did it pay off. Um, but uh, with Detroit, like they've had good pieces, but for whatever reasons, they just cannot put that puzzle together. And that shows you that culture wins over talent every time. Mm-hmm. And, and well, you need the talent. You, you you need Matt Stafford. Yeah, but I mean, the Lions had him and didn't do anything. They had Calvin Johnson and didn't do anything. It's not like they've they've had just a bunch of slouches up there. It just seems yeah, like yeah. there's a problem from the top down. I, I think you're the best argument to be made, and I I don't like to give him any more credit because everyone talks about me anyway, but 
the Patriots. Yeah. When you talk about culture, there it is right there. Well, and so, and there's like guys like Julian Edelman said that the Patriot way was actually the Tom Brady way. And it's hard to argue with that because the success he's <laughs> had in Tampa. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sold that he's going to play there next year either, by the way, ah. because in uh, it's it's going to help that Bruce Arians <laughs> yeah, is gone yeah. now because there was clearly a disconnect there between yeah, those two guys, the, which the, is there was something weird. Going on. And maybe it was the Antonio Brown thing. And who who knows? Because that was a Tom Brady decision. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little ironic that Bruce got sent to the front office three weeks after Tom came back. Yeah. Yep. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of reading between the lines there, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's too difficult to see that. Yeah, you know, uh, you know thousand, what I mean. Thousand percent. It's easy to put that together. Uh, it, it's. I thought that Tom went to retirement because he was trying to get out of his contract mm-hmm. because he didn't want to play for Bruce Arians, and the coaching pick there was kind of interesting to me, right? Because I thought it was going to be Byron Leftwich if, if if Bruce Arians stepped down. Yeah. But they, it may be one of those things that they're going to try to let Byron break off after the season, do his own thing, but we'll see. And Byron's still there. Yes. Yeah. And he's got a great relationship. I just, I just thought if yeah. when Bruce Arians stepped down, that it would be the easiest transition, but mm-hmm. I, I think Todd's a good coach and we'll see what happens. I, I do too. And I'm glad he's getting another shot. And I think this sets uh Leftwich up to really take a, a good, job and it might you know, it might benefit spot. he can be selective it, he can be selective now it's very very surprising to me that he didn't get the jacksonville job just because i thought that was uh an easy fit we already threw some shade at jacksonville rightfully so and i think it might know, be best for byron left which he didn't get that job too exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah. and that's what that's where i was getting at is he can be selective now and and spending one more year with tampa bay and tom brady as his quarterback i think only ups his stock so he can actually move into it's not gonna hurt <laughs> no it's he's gonna be able to maybe move into a culture like we're talking about where uh, winning is going to be a little bit easier than it is in maybe some other spots. And I really like Kyle Trask's a lot. Uh, they're back. They're back up down there. Uh, the Florida quarterback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The play with Kyle yep. Pitts and all that. Um, Bruce Arians made a comment that he's ready to go into the season with Kyle Trask's as his starting quarterback. And I, and a lot of people scoffed at that and I, he's clearly not Tom Brady, but I don't think he was mm-hmm. blowing smoke there. I, I think that he's very talented and I think yeah. they got a steal in that pick and, I expect him to be the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as soon as Tom Brady actually hangs it up. I mean, he was an or, SEC starter for or, multiple or years. Or go somewhere else. Or go somewhere else. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Oh, please go to Chicago now. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we covered a ton of uh, stuff there, Jimmy. Um, any other draft notes that we, you want to go over here? Uh, yeah, I, I had some I had some hits and misses. So, I, All right. like I, I already said, I, I really like Brian Asamoah, uh, number 66 the Vikings. David Bell, the wide receiver from Purdue. Going to Cleveland, playing with Deshaun Watson, I think that's yep. going to be a match made in heaven. Yep. Um, Speed. Matt Ariza, the uh, San Diego State kicker, uh, was taken in this draft in the sixth round. Uh, he's <laughs> he's very much of the Pat McAfee school of kicking. There we go. Uh, it has the personality to go along with it, and obviously, I had Jordan Davis uh, as the as the best pick in the draft. I like that. Davis. Thirteen, yep. and uh, I went over my losses. I think the first top three picks just were very head scratching. So often we we knock guys for bad performances mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, yeah. All three of these guys had some pretty horrible performances this mm-hmm. year, and their their games that they did well in were the only thing that it seemed like the GMs focused on. But hey, listen, we're ta- we're talking about the Jags, the Lions, and the Texans here. There's a reason. There's a reason, <laughs> right? I, I also feel like when we get into that right after the college football playoffs. When then we get into that the draft talk, right? And then we're having these pro days. Um, there's really only one way for a lot of these guys to go, and that's down because you're gonna sure. you're gonna find out that okay, they're 40 
isn't that fast. Right. Uh, uh, oh, when their hand when size. Not, I hate that. Their when hand size. When they're not wearing underwear and actual pads, they slow down. What a weird concept. Isn't, I, isn't I, I love the combine just because I'm a draft dork, but mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things that's like, how much does this really matter? The fact that Wandale Robinson fell to the second round, probably had one of the best combines of all time. Yeah. Speak, speaking of misses and Lincoln, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's one. Of, I, I put very little stock into what happens in Indianapolis, it, but I, it feels like some front offices, for whatever reasons, put too much stock. All in their it. chips, you know. Yeah. It's like wild. It's wild. Did the kid win on Saturdays? You know, and and I like what Parcells would do as far as taking a quarterback. He needed them to have forty wins, right, in college before he even looked. And it's at understandable. Spe- speaking of which, uh, the one, the one, if there's. Somebody I'm not willing to say is a hit or a miss, but it's going to be interesting. Bailey Zapp, the uh, the quarterback out of Western Kentucky that went okay. to, went to New England, set the record for passing in college football this year. I think he's going to be somebody yeah. interesting to watch under Belichick and that and that. And obviously Josh McDaniels is gone, but under that system, exactly how he pan- and you got on seat Mac yeah. Jones, and a lot of people think that can be done. But well, and Jones is a guy he will get injured. And it's tough to play a complete season from wire to wire. So, I mean, he know. literally saw his breath for the first time this year in a cold weather game over there. So, <laughs> how how does that dynamic work? And it gets cold up there in the hills in Western Kentucky. So it does, you know. it does. Looks like a good fit. And oh, can you believe it? Belichick might have did good in a draft. Yeah, weird how that works out. <laughs> so, Jimmy, uh, you are host and founder of After Hours. Where can people find that and tune in? Yeah, uh, we're on two. Tuesday through Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. on 1620 The Zone. Then we're there every Saturday morning uh, from 8 to 10. The reason I say it that way is if we, we get bumped for Creighton basketball games or, right. or Royals baseball games and things of that nature. Uh, but we're always on Saturday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. no matter what. And then you can always find our podcast at SoundCloud.com backslash after hours 1620. Excellent, Jimmy. Can't thank you enough for joining us on fun, WTL. Man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet. All righty, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back, everybody, at WTL. Where's the line? I'm your host, Andy Klassen, joined by... Gibran's back here, boys. Oh, boy. Hey, now, and now we're going to get into your wheelhouse here, yeah. Gibran. <laughs> USFL. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> Hell, yeah. But real quick, how about that interview with Jimmy Allen? That was good stuff. That was awesome. That's he, so good. He, he has so much knowledge about that stuff. He does. Like I, I mean, I, I wanted to just focus in on one or two things, but... <laughs> Yeah, like you said, he's so knowledgeable and just has such a vast scope on things. You know, conversation would go here, there, and it was good stuff. I really enjoyed exactly. it. Exactly. No, this guy can talk days and days about this kind of <laughs> stuff and, you know, kind of just, you know, spin yeah. around your head because, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm usually thinking about one thing and making money and this betting stuff, and he has – Everything in yeah. above that. <laughs> he was just he was just pulling out NFL draft picks from six years ago. Exactly. You know, like it was yesterday or yeah. Exactly. So good. No, that guy's awesome. All right. So let's let's dive into, you know, your wheelhouse. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's wheelhouse, <clears throat> the USFL. Yeah. Uh um kind of an up and down week, right? La- yeah. last week. Uh I mean and we we gotta let's preference this with this is a new league, new players, yeah. new coaches. But you went one, one, and one. Yeah, right. Nope. With what we said last week. Yep. One of my teams covered. One of my teams pushed, and one of my teams lost. So I I feel pretty good about it, just because I did all straight bets on you know right. on those games or whatever. Uh-huh. So kind of came out you know even. 
Uh, yeah, those breakers really broke my heart, though, because uh, <laughs> I really— Breakers? <laughs> what are you doing? I really thought that they were the best team in the league, and uh, that didn't happen for uh, me. So they, they got beat up a little bit there. The Stallions <laughs> took them down. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the Friday <clears throat> yeah. evening game, uh, 9 o'clock on FS1. Yeah. Philadelphia Stars, they're 1-2, and two, taking on the Michigan Panthers, who are also 1-2. and two. Yep. One-point favorite. Panthers, where are you going? Uh, Panthers are actually one point dog, Andy. Um, they're, they're plus one. What? Oh, you, so, oh my so God! They're a, they're a one point dog. You're right. And I really, really think this Panthers team is about to hit its stride. Uh, they just blew out the Maulers twenty four to zero. This is insane. They're they're wow. <laughs> they're one point favorite. I don't get the line either. <laughs> I think they're the clearly the better team. <laughs> Uh, the Michigan Panthers uh, running back. Well, I could be, you know, a little Midwest. You know, I think this could be forming into my favorite team here, the Michigan Panthers, just because they're the closest team uh-huh, affiliated uh-huh. with the Midwest. But the Michigan Panthers running back, Stevie Scott, had 54 yards and a touchdown, and Reggie Corbin had 133 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they just kind of carried them to victory. Uh, the Maulers really didn't have a. <laughs> have a chance against this running offense and I think it continues and I think the Panthers get their second win and I get a free point so yeah. okay uh, I'm all about it now I don't know what what book you're on but okay so I'm looking at yep. uh Fox bet okay. right now okay I'm looking at one of their books and they actually have it as a pick'em and it's plus money with the Panthers so it's plus 105 yeah so if you want to get I mean this should that that might be what you want to do right now exactly. if you haven't put no. it in it get Get it on that app. Get that plus money yeah. at 105. That that way you get your Panthers and your favorite, at least who start out as your favorite. Moneyline has the stars at minus 133. Right. So if you want that plus money, you actually get the Panthers here. Uh, Spread-wise, both teams are at minus 110. Exactly. That over-under at 36 and a half. Where you, <sighs> what do you – I mean, that's – it's that, kind of where everybody's at right yeah, now. Yeah, 36 that, and a half, I – it's That's so right hot. there. That these, is right these there. over unders right yeah. now. Right now in the USFL are so crazy. I don't. I haven't been a very big keen on it right now, nah. just because I got to figure out where these teams are, <laughs> where the where where the usual line is for these guys. Yeah. I don't. I yep. still don't know if these are forty point games or twenty eight point games. Yeah. I can't figure it out because. Right. They flip flop so much. The Panthers scored twenty four points last week, but the Mauler scored zero. So I don't really know Yikes. what to do. Wow. With a game like this, wow. Especially with the Philly Stars, you know, not putting up a lot of points either. So I would stay away from that thirty six and a half. If anything, I would go, go under. the under. Go under. But I'm going to stay away from that and just the take unders. my free money with the Panthers. I think they're bringing it home for their second win of the year. And depending on what book you get in, you might get that plus money. Exactly. You might get that plus Hop money. On that plus money, guys. There we Hop go. It on there. Love that. Love that. Okay, yes, sir. so let's go. Let's head on over to the Saturday yeah. afternoon game. That's going to be on NBC Peacock. That's yeah. our New Jersey Generals. Kind of kind of my favorite. That's the old Trumpsters there. Yeah, the old Trumpsters. <laughs> you fired. Uh, you fired. You fired. Uh, versus the Pitt Maulers, who are 0-3. Now, yep. this is wild. This is 8.5. This is the biggest spread that New we've Jersey seen in the favorite. USF. Yeah. For sure. In any kind of football, this is a huge spread. Yeah. Eight and a half. This is this is crazy. So uh the reason it's like this, Andy, is because the New Jersey Generals just came off a, you know, a kind of thrilling, thrilling win last week, and the Maulers are 0 3. And they didn't score one point last week. Yeah, that's La- tough. Last week needing to spark New Jersey Generals head coach, 
Mm-hmm. Mike Riley. <laughs> Cornhusker Mike Riley. The mastermind. Replace uh, Lewis Perez with a dual-threat quarterback, DeAndre Johnson, in the second half. And the Texas Southern product made Riley look the smartest I've ever seen him. Right. Yeah, uh, it was a good move. Hel- helping New Jersey move. overcome a 10-point def- uh, deficit in the second half mm-hmm. uh, for a 24-16 win over the Philadelphia Stars. Um, I like New Jersey to cover in this game just because wow. I, this DeAndre Johnson uh, is one of the most athletic players that I've seen in this league, and I bet he's getting the start. <laughs> so, so once again, I'm going to take us to the the book here with Fox Bet. Yeah, uh, they actually have already have it at minus nine New Jersey, <laughs> uh, and this money line is insane. Yeah, minus six sixty seven. Yeah, no value. Whatsoever, no value. On the other side, the Maulers are plus four twenty-five. <laughs> to your point, you really don't know, but I do know Mike Riley, and I do know he makes questionable <laughs> coaching moves. So Not you know, he's past that. He's past that. <laughs> okay. Once but, the Huskers start paying him, he, so, he started becoming a good coach. But for plus four twenty-five money, maybe I'll take a chance, a flyer uh, on Mike Riley putting in the ill-equipped quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the whole thing with the Maulers is you know obviously you like that plus you know plus money looking you in the yeah. face. The Maulers have only score scored point. twenty six points, Andy, mm-hmm. in three games combined. Right. And most teams in this league should score twenty six a game. Yeah, They've only rough. scored twenty six in three games. Yeah. Combined. Yeah, they just they just do not have any offense. Like Mike Riley could totally you you know. Uh, Blow it, but yeah. still come away with the victory, exactly. and that's why I mean, uh, most of these games, you know, you're looking at the money line minus 133, plus 105, yeah, whatever the case, you know. But this one is way out of whack with minus 667. Yep. So I I, I agree with you. New Jersey's well out in front on this. Uh, the only question for me is, can they cover that eight and a half or nine? Yeah. You like them? You like I do. Them too. I do like them. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to have any. This DeAndre Johnson is not only he can fling it about seventy yards, but mm-hmm. he can run it for about that much as well. So this guy is probably the most exciting player that I've seen so far. Okay, in the USFL, and I just don't think that the Mullers will have anything to stop him. Well, and they they haven't in the first three games. Yeah, so uh, I kind of like that. I like that as well. Generals to cover that eight and a half. Get I, it at eight and a half if you can. It's if, already moved yep. to nine. If on you some see books. anything with an eight, get on it because. Uh, I would almost, you know, put anything on them getting this eight and a half. Not, you know, ten ten's that gray area for me, Andy. Right, right, and, and that that's even more gray. You yeah. could say in the USFL since we have not only two, two point, point conversions but three, three point, point conversions, conversions <laughs> and onside <laughs> kicks slash fourth and twelves. And it's entertaining, yeah. man. It's, oh, it's entertaining awesome. football. Uh, and you know the NBA hates it because they're trying to cash in on their playoffs right now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm watching football. Everybody wants to watch football. <laughs> what the heck, man? So. All right. So let's get into our weekend capper, and yep. that is the Houston Gamblers. We gotta talk gamblers. Gambling. Versus the Nolans Breakers, who are at two and one, minus four over the Gamblers. <laughs> what do you make of this? Um. Like like I said at the start of the segment, the Birmingham Stallions rallied behind its defense in a twenty-two to thirteen victory mm-hmm. over the previously unbeaten New Orleans Breakers, okay. which really broke the bank for me this weekend. Uh, but they reg- they registered four sacks, an interception, and a turnover on downs. I like the Breakers to bounce back here, Andy. The Gamblers' defense isn't as strong as the Stallions, and 
I just think the breakers break through again. Breakers break through. And I think they win by a touchdown easily. You think so? So, yeah. I mean, once again, the, the book I'm looking at has the breakers already at minus four and a half. Yep. So they, they, they already got that. They've squeezed in that half point. But you're saying regardless – Take them because they're going to win by seven or more. I think it's seven or more. Just I just think I still think they might be the best team in the league. Just that Stallions defense really came after them last week with that pass rush, and uh-huh. I don't think that they were ready for it. I think they're going to kind of get back in there, f- figure out the holes, and kind of in this this Houston Gamblers team isn't the Birmingham Stallions. These guys are one and two. And right, the breakers right. are still two and one. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I think they want to get back. I think this line is going to spread all the way probably to six points by Sunday. So it's already moving. Yeah. So yep. I if you guys can get it at four, get it at four. Um now what about that over under? It's at forty one and a half. Yeah. Uh yep. you know, minus one ten across there. Um I I I kind of I kind of like that. I think that's a solid spot on forty one and a half. Yeah. I think this is gonna be a close game. Um, I could even agree with you on New Orleans bouncing back here. Yeah. I do like the gamblers' offense. It's fun. Yeah. They will gamble. Yeah, they'll gamble. <laughs> you you have to in this league. Um, no, I, I kind of like that over, Andy. I, I do because Houston can put up points, and we've seen that, you know, obviously New Orleans can as well. So I, I could see this being a, you know, a, you know 21 to 30. 31 kind of game, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, 21 yeah. to 35 kind of game. Or t- well, that's what this 28 is geared to 35. for, too. The USFL, I feel, is geared for shootouts. It's, it's supposed, you know? to, be. It's yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, the Maulers are kind of breaking it here by, by not being <laughs> not able to score. Not scoring points. <laughs> and, and that really does show you that there there is a limited number of good quarterbacks on planet Earth. That, yeah. that is all that that's showing you. Well, and, and the receivers. NFL shows you that, Andy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not 32 of them, yeah, you know? Exactly. There's like 25. <laughs> and then it gets really bad. It gets really bad after that. <laughs> so, no, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of do like that over. But my safe pick of the week is definitely that four points with the Breakers is m- what I'm locking in on this game. The Breakers bank on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So that's your USFL break down yep. from us here at WTL. What are we coming back with here to finish this out? We got UFC 274. <laughs> we got Cowboy Cerrone. We got Justin Gaethje. We got yeah. Charles Oliveira. We got Rose. We got them all. We My got them all. God. This is such a huge card. Biggest card <laughs> to date of the year. And there's going to be fireworks. All right. So you heard it, folks. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more WTL Talking UFC. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. I'm your host, Andy Klassen, joined by... Gibran, the Power Lay Pounder. I'm back. Uh, UFC 274. Oh, Let's go. Here we go. Let's go. Here we go. We always, we always finish strong <clears throat> every time out, and you know we're giving it to you once again. For sure. This is right. This really is your wheelhouse here, the UFC. Yeah. And this is a dandy here, 274. This is a loaded card. This is a loaded card. I don't even know how we're going to fit it all into this segment here. <laughs> right. So let's dive right into it. Yep. I mean, this is a, this is a uh, fan favorite right here. Yeah. Donald Cerrone. Cowboy. <laughs> Cowboy. <laughs> Joe Lazon. Yeah, Lazen. Lazen. <laughs> Joe Lazen. Okay, Lazen. All right. Yeah. Um, 
And of course, Cowboy's a huge favorite here. And yeah. I mean, just looking at the card, of course he is. I mean, he weighs about 20 more pounds. He's yeah. 6'1 compared to 5'10. How does Lousen even have a chance in this? And what is going on? Well, <laughs> the whole thing is that these guys are two of the biggest UFC uh, you know, vets that you could ever have. Like a legacy. This is a kind of a legacy, legacy fight. fight. Okay. Yeah, Cerrone has over 50 fights. <laughs> Lousen <laughs> has over 40 in the <laughs> UFC. It's absolutely nuts. Um, and these two, these two, for all those fights, they stretch them out. Average fight time, nine minutes and 44 yeah. seconds for Cerrone. Uh, Lousen, seven minutes, 53 seconds. So, like, I mean, they're going to they're gonna give the fans what they want to see here. Yeah. Uh, Cerrone is one of the oldest fights at, you know, 39, while Lousen is a veteran at <laughs> is a veteran at 37. Uh, both of these guys have been around the block, like we've been saying, heading towards the back end of their careers or the very end of their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we should have a great fight on Saturday. It should be really, really awesome. Uh, Cowboy is one of the most respected fighters in UFC history, like right. we've alluded to. Yep, yep, yep. On the flip side, Lousen took a step away from UFC nearly uh, three years but it's still a very capable fighter, and you know. Oh yeah, he's in shape. He's in shape. Don't get that twisted. <laughs> I'm going back on Cowboy now. Uh, the fight, I believe. I just believe he's the better fighter. Like with all the things that you were alluding to, I just think he's yeah. a bigger, better fighter. Uh, I'm willing to drink some juice on this one, so to speak, um, and you know, take the you know kind of lopsided figure that you were talking about. I I locked it in at minus one seventy five, which would mean that I would have to. Risk one hundred seventy-five dollars to win a hundred. Uh-huh. I think that's a very good bet for me. But if you don't want to risk that much, I would throw this minus one seventy-five into a parlay with a couple more picks that I'm going to give up here in a little bit. Well, and and to back what you're saying, uh, yeah. to to you know when when the odds get that out of whack, yeah, and you have to risk that much to win a hundred, yeah. Okay, you better be pretty confident. But uh, not only does he have the <clears throat> the reach, the height. All those things. I'm looking at some of these stats here and like significant strikes. Yeah. Landed per minute. We yeah. got Cerrone here at 4.43. Uh, Lousen's only at 2.84. Exactly. That's a huge discrepancy. It, it, it is. You know, it's 46% compared to 39%. Absorbed. The complete flip of the script here. Yeah. Donald's only taking 4.49. Joe is at 5.39. That's just insane. So yeah. You take two opposite side. Uh, stats, yeah, and they both favor Cowboy. They do. So and, and, come and, on, and we got come on. And you know, I think a lot of people are probably a little scared of this pick just because the last couple times we've seen Cowboy, he's been up against some of the best fighters in UFC. Dude, history. he's just taking that paper. He's making that paper. He's making that paper. <laughs> uh, we got to remember that Joe Lousen is not Conor McGregor. He's not. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's Joe Lousen, yeah, thirty-seven-year-old guy. Yeah. Um, this, <laughs> I really think Cowboy gets this done fairly easy. So, like I said. Throw that 175 on it or throw it in a parlay. I like both of them, so that's the way I'm going with it. And I'm not going to argue with you whatsoever. Uh, yeah. And I also I like the show that Cowboy always puts on. Oh, yeah. Like, that is that is fun. It's just fun. He's one of the best. He's and, an entertainer. And Lousen gets it, too. So yeah. He, he's going to entertain. Like I said, they both like to stretch out their fights. It's going to be great entertainment. I just think Cowboy has a little too much. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to— 
It, it, oh, I hate taking the odds like that. You know, I hate <laughs> yeah. risking that much. Yep. Uh, but I think you almost have to on this. And, exactly. And maybe if you want to cover yourself, hedge it a little bit, maybe get into a parlay, go ahead and do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, man, I, I am looking at Cowboy uh, taking this one down. Yep. No doubt about it, guys. And uh, and that's the that's the first fight of the card, Andy. Yeah, I know. That's We're, the yeah. first fight of the card. <laughs> so this card is going to be bought by so many people around the world just because, well, first of all, these are two of the best fighters of all time in UFC history. And then we got two yeah. title fights we're not even talking about. Yeah, yet. two title fights are coming up here. <laughs> yeah, we already go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about two all time greats yep. to start the night. And then we got two titles. And then, okay, let's get into the next thing we want to yeah. talk about. <laughs> this is too much fun. Yeah. A uh, couple of women. Yeah. Thug. Thug. Rose. <laughs> Nana Eunice. Versus Cookie Monster. Yeah, Carla. As far as uh, Cookie Monster. Okay, now now Rose Thug. Yeah, uh, she has a record of twelve and four versus Carla yeah. uh, at nineteen and six. So a couple really good uh, overall records, both coming off of a win. Yeah, uh, both United States um, from the the U.S. Yep. 5-5 versus 5-1, 1-15, reach 65, 63. Like, across the board, these two kind of mirror one another. Um, so I'm I'm thinking this is going to be a pretty tight one. Uh, well, that's where I differ from. Uh, the, 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 the difference between Esparza's last win and Rose's last win, Rose has defended her title twice in a row. She is the champion for a reason. Yeah, she's got the belt. She it's, has it's the belt. It's bigger than her. Like, she weighs 115 pounds. The belt looks like it weighs about... <laughs> Yeah, 115. Well, uh, one thing that I do want to bring up here, Andy, is that these two fought for the inaugural UFC strawweight title back in 2014, where Cookie Monster, Esparza, won by submission to become the champ. Okay. Now, eight years later, the two are set to rematch, Nami Yunus being the champ and being on an absolute steamroll. She is just running over people at this point. Okay. Rose has been the queen of rematches since April 2017. She Dog. only has fought Zhang... Uh, Andre and Jedorowski in in second fights, and she's three and zero in these rematches. Smashing. So Smashing anybody that she gets a second look at, she is going to kill them. So this is an intriguing matchup for Cookie Monster. Uh, you think so she's a great wrestler? She's, she's a, number two. She's a great wrestler. Yeah, I mean, she, she so she's not the the number one defender, but she's right. She's there. right there. Yeah. No, it's because Nami Yunus has already beat number two twice. Uh, uh, number the the first right. Yeah, number one contender. Exactly. No, but uh, Carla is you know one of the greatest wrestlers probably in strawweight history. Mm-hmm. But Nami Yunus is so much better at wrestling now. She that's the reason she lost back in 2014 is that her skills weren't that toned her in yet. Her grappling stats still aren't that good. No, they're not. No. It, but she's not letting people take her to the ground is the whole thing. She's so much better at staying on her feet now and not getting into those situations. I expect her to be able to keep standing and uh you know just kind of piece up Carla uh on the feet. Rose there- is just the much better striker and she'll land shots. To win, yeah. win this in a clear-cut decision just to look at her, defend her belt. Just look at her makeup. She looks like a striker. Uh, one yeah. thing, you know, and I'm just going up and down the, the stats card here. Yeah. You know, you, you're talking about grappling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Rose is still at only a 1.7 per 15 minutes yeah. where we have Carla, the cookie monster, at 3.53. Yeah. So she she will. she That's her bread that's and butter. That's her game. She wants to get you down. And then you flip it on the – but this is where – uh, the contrast comes in for me. The submission. Yeah. 
is Thug at 0.69 per 15 minutes. Carla only has a 0.34, so she can get you down, but she can't capitalize. Exactly. And with the limited times that Rose gets you in a hold, yeah, she makes it happen. Yeah, she no doubt ends about it. it. And she doesn't want to do that. Rose Thug is going to come out and try and knock this girl out. Yeah, she's and throwing which I think is, is which I really think is going to happen. My pick for this one. Well, we haven't even talked about the line yet because it's so much fun to talk about this fight. Is Rose is a you know a pretty big favorite here at a, a minus one ninety five on most books. Woo. So even even a more lopsided uh, favorite than Cowboy, mm-hmm. but. I, I just think this one is another easy pick for you, and that's why I'm saying is to to make your value here is to lump these two together, put Cowboy and Rose in the same parlay, and that will even your odds a little bit. They're both going to hit, guys. They're yeah, both yeah. going to hit. They're both going to hit. I, you know, and, and if you if parlays are tough. They are. You know, we we, we joke around it's about not for it. the faint of heart. Yeah, and and you're the parlay pounder, so yeah. so you you'll get it in. But that that is a very tough bet. So like, I don't want to I don't want to go off on a tangent here and, and be telling people to just rock parlays all the time. <laughs> no, you know, you know that that might be your namesake, but yeah. that that is a difficult bet. It, it's tough. But here with all this um, plus money on one side in such a egregious, if you will, fashion, this is a this is your. Almost picture perfect spot for a, a type of parlay sure. to to get some value. I do want to I want to mention something here. Uh, I'm I'm looking yeah. at UFC.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I feel like this might be a little gender bias here. Yeah. Okay. So it, well, they showed Cowboy, you know, and Lorzen, <laughs> and they showed their ages, 39, 37. Uh, Rose and Carla, they're not showing their ages here. Like, they're giving me their height and their weight. Uh, but come on, ladies. You don't need to know the age. <laughs> I just think that's ridiculous. No, that's pretty wild. I've never noticed that before on there. That's so stupid. That, like, give me a break. Yeah. But okay. It wouldn't be too hard to find. But yeah, no, that is pretty so wild. Stupid. And so what stupid. I'm going to say, Andy, if 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 you're really scared about that parlay with Rose, I would. There's going to be another bet that's coming out here probably in the next couple of days by her winning by knockout, which I think is going to happen, and mm-hmm. that's probably going to be a lot better odds for everybody. So if that's what you guys want to jump on instead of parlaying it with Cowboy, that's probably going to be probably at a you Pick know your mi- spots. Pick mi- your spots. minus 100 or even a plus money bet with her okay. knocking her out, which I think is going to happen. Yeah. 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 I mean, it feels that way. It yeah. looks that way. That's, it does. that's the way the trends are going here. Yep. Uh, Rose has just been on a straight-up tear. Uh, Her striking has been unbelievable, taking yeah. down some of the best women I've ever seen, yeah. and she's not done yet. Knocking them out left and right, and yep. here we go with Carla stepping in. And, yep. Uh, okay. All well, right. and Rose is looking for a little bit of revenge as well, yeah. which never uh, sits right with Thug. Thug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, these nicknames, I love them. They're the best. So let's get to a couple more nicknames here, and yeah. the matchup of the night. Yes. The highlight. Gaethje. Justin Gaethje. Gaethje. The highlight. now. Yep. Oliveira. Versus Charles Dubronx. Du. Oliveira. Dubronx. <laughs> now, they're both coming off wins as well. No doubt about and it. Th- th- this is a couple impressive um, records here. <laughs> You're telling me. You know, uh, highlight, Justin sitting at 24-3, and three. Charles sitting at 32-8. and eight. And both coming off wins. The Brazilian sent at five ten. Guy from the U.S. Justin sent at five uh, eleven. Both at one fifty five. I mean, on paper, this looks like a pretty even 
matchup. However, Oliveira has the belt. Yeah, I mean, just look at the <laughs> the people that these guys have fought. Mm. Oliveira is on a you know a streak like I've never seen. He beat Tony Ferguson in 2020. He beat uh, Michael Chandler in 2021, and he just beat Dustin Poirier. Uh, it's so crazy. Um, I've never seen a run. You know, people yeah. get on runs like this. Obviously, every once in oh, a while, it's tough in the UFC. But it's, it's so, so tough. tough in the yeah. UFC, uh, especially for guys that he, the the names I just said are some of the best fighters of mm-hmm. all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like I said, Michael Chandler, uh, he Justin Gaethje just beat him as well. But he's literally one of the best fighters, you know, ever. And Gaethje, his last loss was to Khabib. Uh, Nergamenov, which is literally the goat of the sport. So these guys don't lose a lot, and it's it's it's. I like the contrast of these two guys. It's a pay per view. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I like the contrast here because eighty three percent of the time, Gaethje is winning by knockout. Yes. Okay. Uh, Flip that to the other side. Uh, Only twenty twenty eight percent of the time. Uh, does Oliveira do, do that? But he does yeah. win by submission. Yes. sixty three percent of the time, compared to four percent from Gaethje. Yeah, no, you know, so it's a complete contrast of fight styles here. It, it's uh, Gaethje's one of these guys where the name, the highlight, mm-hmm. it really goes with him because that's all he's out there to do. Yeah, he's out there for a highlight. He's going to knock you out. Yep. What I really think this fight comes down to, Andy, is is if Gaethje can get the KO in the first two rounds because. If he, he can't, if he can't, the longer this fight goes, the ah. be, the better Charles Oliveira will go. Oliveira has been a bit slow starter in his two title defenses against Chandler and Poirier. Both rocked him and dropped him, both nearly finishing him, but he kept going and he was able to recover and found the KO shot against Chandler and took Poirier's back and uh, submitted him. So if Gaethje, however, has a solid chin, so yeah, look at that guy's chin. Yeah, dude, <laughs> dude, and his average fight times ten minutes and nineteen seconds. So like, he's not going down either. He's not. But yeah, that's three. That's over three minutes longer than Oliveira. Exactly. Average. And I get it. It's getting cut short because he's sum- submitting guys. Yeah. Like I get that. But yep. I'm just saying. I mean, if you want to get into a marathon and you want a guy to slip, that that's risky business, especially with a guy that's throwing fists. Yeah, you know? exactly. The the reason I said said that Andy is because the the more and more Gaethje gets tired and not throwing, you know, haymakers, served yeah. haymakers, mm-hmm. Oliver is going to open up and trying to take him down. And if this gets on the ground at all, Charles definitely has the upper hand on him. Obviously, yeah, he does. He does. And he does. You saw this with Gaethje against Khabib. That's the only way that he's probably going to lose that fight is you know, but Khabib submits everyone. But we've seen that. Uh, the highlight can get into trouble when he gets on the ground. Sure, sure. Uh, fr- from from the opening bell, Gaethje will need to you know get right in Oliveira's face, and I do think he will. <laughs> He's going to be pressuring him with leg kicks, you know, and and you know real big haymakers. Once he starts landing those shots, Gaethje's power will show, as he will probably drop Oliveira. I think, uh, I think in so the too. first two rounds and get a stoppage. Uh, <sighs> His wrestling is also good enough to keep him in this fight, like you're saying. Here's a crazy stat I want to share with you. Yeah. Absorbed significant strikes Mm -hmm. per minute. Yeah. Gaethje's at 7.81. Yeah. Oliveira's at 3.13. Yeah, yeah. That's talking about the jaw, you're saying. Yes. So Justin can— Yeah, he can take it, 
And I don't know if Oliveira, that's not even his game. That's not his strong suit. No. He's delivering those blows. So, the, like, both those things. He can do it, but, yeah. They play into the highlight. Yep. They play into what the highlight wants to do. He wants to trade fists. And, yes. and if he can get Charles Oliveira to do that, yeah. I think it gives him a great, great advantage and a chance, even if he doesn't finish it in the first two rounds, yeah. to catch him, to yeah, catch yeah. him in the fourth or fifth. He, he that, that could definitely happen, Andy. Uh, let's talk about the line a little bit here because I think this is a little out of whack here. Okay. I jumped on Justin Gaethje, the highlight, at plus 135 yesterday, mm. and that's plus money for me, so I'm hopping on it. I really think that this is going to happen by knockout for the highlight. I think he is taking the belt from here we go. the Bronx and uh, you know, taking it back to wherever Gaethje is. I think it's Colorado. <laughs> so. Um, Somewhere in the U.S. I think he's going to become the new champ, and I really think this plus money here is where to throw throw some uh, you know stacks on guys. Well, there's 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 your value. You actually get the plus money, and you yeah. get the number one contender. Yeah, uh, and you alluded to it earlier. Dubronx Oliveira is on a run here that it almost feels unsustainable. It does. You know, in the UFC, it's just so tough to stay on top. It's almost one of their downfalls as a company. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because you can't build those dynasties. You yeah. can't build, build. There's no such thing as the 29 Yankees. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't a murderer's road type of situation. No, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, you know, these these fighters get on a roll or whatever, and then it's done before you know it. Mm-hmm. Look at Ronda. Everybody thought that she was just going to keep on going forever right. and ever, and then bigger, badder chicks show up. Oh, man. It happens. And, and did it they. happens. Wow. Um, I think this is Gaethje's time. I think it's his turn to take on the belt. Uh, Oliveira has almost got knocked out in the last two fights, and I yep. really think that Gaethje is a better fighter than both of those guys. So I really think he's going to end this one, and he might end it early. His strikes carries a little bit more weight yeah, uh, than what Oliveira might have taken on the chin last couple of times. For sure. Uh, are you are you sneaking anything in there, like a decision by the second, decision by the third, because you know Gaethje's going to be coming out swinging? Yeah. I mean, if if I was going to jump on anything, Andy, it would be exactly what I'm going to pick for Rose is just overall uh, KO for Gaethje, which is going to be yep. even more plus money. It's probably going to be in the plus 250 range, mm-hmm. plus 300. So yeah, that's so. going to be some good value there. Uh, but like you said, that's scary stuff when you're you're you know doing a decision because you don't mm-hmm. really he, – he could go all five rounds and just beat him up. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. And it could be a submittal. So it's, I mean, if Gaethje if Gaethje gets in some really good strikes in round two, three, yeah, you know, he might just want to dance back around, off yeah, and back win the off. belt. Yeah, he's not usually that kind of fighter. <laughs> he is the highlight. So I think he's going for the highlight knockout, and I think he'll get it. <laughs> Living up to his name. Yep. All right, I love it. Well. I think that's going to do it for yeah. for WTL, right, man? Yeah, we went we went over it for the UFC. Woo. This is going to be such a good card. Everybody tune in. It's going to be so much fun. And don't forget, folks, we are all over Twitter, yeah, YouTube, TikTok for yeah. daily picks. Jabron, you are hammering TikTok. If you, if you guys forget these picks by the time that these roll around, all you have to do is check my Twitter, ch- check our uh, <laughs> check our Twitter, check the TikTok. We got these picks out, guys. All you have to do is line them up. No doubt about it, and we we got to mention, we got to mention, today's broadcast was oh, brought Oh, yeah. Cinco de Mayo, right? Cinco de Mayo. Right? Nebraska Brewing Company, Taco Vesa, their Mexican-style lager. It's a 
crystal clear, crisp, absolutely refreshing drink. And I can attest to that because I've enjoyed a couple of them during our broadcast here. Well, let me see. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, no, that is good, Andy. That, I love them. That is, that is for real. I've had a few. That that's, was kind that's, of a joke. <laughs> that's for real, and that's in time. I love it. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. My name's Andy Klassen, joined by Jabron, the Parlay Pounder. Yes, As sir. always, this was WTL. <laughs>